2: We're back here on One Bills Live. Maddie Glab and Steve Tasker. We've got our Friday fan mailbag. If you tweeted a question at us, thank you very much. You can continue to do that because we'll be on until 3 o'clock today. So we've got a few questions that we're going to dip into here. We've got Greg Cosell coming up at 2 o'clock. And Rick says... The Bills had an extraordinary number of dropped passes this season. Are there other factors besides lack of focus and weather that contribute to players not completing catchable passes and how do players overcome dropping passes once it's in their heads?
1: Um for me, um if it's a catchable ball there is no excuse, you got to catch it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. although if you're going to if you don't want any dropped passes, you should never throw it because they're going to happen. Uh, You can understand some of it, but when it happens as often as it did to the Bills, um, you got to address it. Most of the guys will go out and they will have somebody shoot them 300 balls a day out of the jugging machine and just catch it. Repetition breeds confidence, breeds uh, just the ability to catch under any all circumstances so that's one way they can fix it I think some of the drops a little bit some of them you got you can say yeah okay Josh should have put in a little better spot uh, you can give the defender a little credit uh, or a combination thereof not quite the right spot with the pass the receiver feels the defender come and thinks it's going to get hit or whatever and he starts to tense up all of that stuff changes the equation the ball gets dropped there's a ton of stuff that goes into every throw uh, every drop pass and it's like Peyton Manning told me one time, it's the same thing with drop passes. Peyton Manning said every interception has a story nobody wants to hear.
2: Exactly. And then drop
1: passes are the same thing. Every drop has a story and nobody wants to hear it. So it's not something anybody likes on on the offensive side of the ball. There's always a ton of reasons for it. Like I said, nobody really wants to hear it. you got to fix it. Um and if everybody in the equation does their part about getting better, it should go away eventually, or get at least on, get to an acceptable level.
2: Yep. Get on the jugs machine, work on that chemistry, work on that connection. This team has an entire offseason to do so, um, including out of OTAs, out of April workouts, out of training camp. Uh, these guys spend March and, and part of February – Meeting up together and and training with, with other people. And there's no better time to create a better better connection with your teammates than right now. I know a lot of guys are taking vacations and they deserve to do so right now. But when they pick the football back up in February or March... We've seen this team come together in Florida before in the offseason, before OTAs begin, before they have to come back for April workouts. And, and it's something that kind of jump starts what you're going to do in April and May and beyond. And why not? If you are searching and if you are working and grinding for the Super Bowl, why not be the team that starts early at doing so? Because there's 31 other teams that want to outwork you. So you might as well be the one that tries to outwork everybody else. Nick says, is it true that Ed Oliver has to face a lot of double teams? That's defense of him, I fear. I hear a lot from people, but I don't know if it's actually true.
1: The, the general feeling here is, and I know we, Chris Brown and I have spoken about this a lot, when Tim Settle and Daquan Jones and Jordan Phillips – were healthy and rotating in with Ed, Ed got far fewer double teams. Um, as the season wore on, um, he did. He started to see more and more of them, and particularly after Vaughn went down. Then things changed. Um, the game where Vaughn got hurt, the Detroit game, uh, the Thanksgiving game, was Ed Oliver's probably –
2: best game best
1: game of the season shows he, up on Thanksgiving, He showed that up guy. big time right um but it's also a game where vaughn for the most part was playing in um and you know detroit didn't have an answer for him i think it does say something about ed that when he gets single teamed he's a problem but guys like jordan phillips and tim settle and daquan jones draw double teams before they double ed so um if you want to be a dominant player, you got to be dominant all the time. And if they're going to double team you, you still you still, you're still have a problem. To be a force, yeah. um, and you know everybody's and Ed has shown the ability, flashes of being able to do that, of being that guy. But it's in, too inconsistent. It's not every down, every play, every game um, that a lot of people want to look for from Ed. Um, but Ed has a high motor. He's an energetic, explosive player. And I know you always get people saying, we had had it yesterday. Somebody said, you know, they should move Ed Oliver outside to end because Mm -hmm. he's fast, he's explosive, and that's what you need coming off the edge. Maybe that's true. Um, I don't know that Ed has the technique to play out there or the desire. But whenever you have a lot of people saying, you know, giving you a lot of reasons as why he hasn't been as successful as you thought he would – and it's a problem for a guy who's coming up on a contract year.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, that consistency is what we're lacking from Ed Oliver. We see it in games. We see him take over in games. But then there's games where we don't hear or right. see Ed Oliver. And it might be those double teams, yes. But you have to find a way to win against those double teams. And when you're coming up on a contract year... Maybe he's going to figure it out. Maybe he's going to be more consistent because whether you're going to be a part of the Buffalo bills or not, you're trying to get that second contract. You're trying to get good money on that second contract. So, I would expect some bigger things from Ed Oliver this season as he continues to work for that second contract. So we'll we'll see what's in store uh, for Ed Oliver this season. Rachel says, Do you think we'll have enough cap space for any big splash free agent signings or will we have to rely on more modest signings and the draft?
1: Well, Brandon Bean discounted any opportunity, any chance of having a big-name free agent sign Which I
2: think he does just about every year. He
1: did it last year, <laughs> and what happened? Oh, yeah, they signed that guy, um, Vaughn, Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller. So Brandon is preparing himself not to have that luxury this year. Uh, they did that last year with Vaughn, and that's – I'll say this, though, it's been my experience. I don't know this to be exactly true or why not but – that's an ownership call. That's Terry going. Uh, you know, if we, we need to get what would happen somebody. if that's Terry going? What would happen if we signed Von Miller and, and Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and Brandon going? Wow, he's a really good. We <laughs> you know that's awesome. he goes, Well, okay then, I, let's do
2: let's it. Let's do it.
1: Right. So that's how it kind of happens. Um, that doesn't mean it won't happen this year, but it doesn't mean it does mean that Brandon Bean is not anticipating it. And right now, they would have to jump through some pretty fiery hoops to make that happen financially with the cap. And yep. it's not to say that they can't, but, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no reason to do that if there's nobody out there that they, they really feel is going to tip the scale like that. Yep. And you know, not only do you have to see a guy like that who would do that, you got to make sure that guy wants to be here. And those two things don't, don't always go together.
2: Brandon Bean said when we spoke with him last that they were around 240. The cap has been announced around 224, so they're going to have to do things to get under that cap. You talked about it yesterday. You can rework some bigger contracts of Von Miller, restructure, um, yeah, restructure Miller Josh. Josh
1: Allen, restructure would give like then you
2: can get 30. under you can get under the cap, and, right. and maybe it is a little bit easier than we're thinking it will be, but. Brandon Bean did speak on low budget free agents and the NFL draft. You have 21 unrestricted free agents. So I don't see it happening this year but right. I Brandon Bean said last year wasn't going to happen and then we signed Von yeah, Miller. They're at um,
1: 24695 right now so they're 22 million over the cap. So um
2: And guys want money.
1: Yeah, and they got guys they got to pay. They got guys like Tremaine Edmonds, they got, you know. uh,
2: That would be, would that be a big splash free agent signing for you? Getting Tremaine Edmonds?
1: uh, Depends on the number. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If it was a a high-end linebacker number, like the $20 million range. Like Roquan Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a big splash free agent signing. I know this, too. I believe this. I don't know it. I believe that if Tremaine Edmonds does hit the market, He's going to be up there.
2: And we've heard Brandon Means say also about hitting the market, he wants guys to, to, to see what they're worth, to see what they can get yeah, yeah, on yeah. the open market before coming back to the Bills. The Bills may offer them a number, and then they can say, go see what else is out there right. and come back to us. And, right. and then we can try if, to work something out here. If you here. want to
1: play for us, it's this number. But we understand if you want to go someplace else and play yeah. for a bigger number. But here, you're always going to be welcome back for this number. And that's what they do. Some guys take it.
2: What do you think about the conversation or the argument, I would rather spend the money that you would spend on somebody like Tremaine Edmonds on the offense? On
1: someplace else, yeah. Yeah. Off the wide receiver. uh, It's a hard question for a guy like for us to answer because I don't know all the things that Tremaine Edmonds is asked to do on the defense. I don't know how hard that is to replace. Certainly there's nobody out there with his physical stature and his ability. And his age. He's right. How and he's twenty six, he right? Twenty five. Younger yeah, than he's twenty five. He's gonna be twenty five. He's unbelievable. He's, he's like brand new, right? He's so yeah. he's younger than Stetson Bennett. <laughs> so I don't know that the difference between replacing Tremaine Edmonds on the defense and what will happen to the bill's defense without him and with somebody else in there and what they could spend it on somewhere else. like if you if you told me would I trade Tremaine Edmonds for a guy like a j Brown, I might do it because a j Brown would make a significant difference on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball, but if you're going to tell me if would you trade Tremaine Edmonds for a tight you know Somebody, you know, name a a, a left tackle, another left tackle. I don't think so, you know. Um, but if you could get a guy of like Steph Diggs on the other side of Steph Diggs. All right. I think that's a bigger difference-making position than Tremaine would be.
2: Yeah. It's tough because the defense that the Bills play, and I've said this before, the two linebackers that you have on the field have to be special because we've heard Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott say the things that those two are asked to do is a lot different um, than what other players are asked to do, and and they do a lot. And we saw what happened when Tremaine was out of the lineup, how this defense did not look the same. Um, So it's it's an interesting conversation to have. I see both sides of it, uh, but... I, I would be sad to see Tremaine Edmonds go because he's been here for a while. He's he's taken a big step in his leadership. He's taken a big step in what he does on the field and how he helps this defense. And I think he's becoming one of those core, one of those glue guys to this team.
1: He certainly has. He's been a prominent voice and a prominent member of the team since the day he was drafted. They plugged him. He's been one of the few guys. And back in 2017, things were very different. Um, the roster was in a way different spot mm-hmm. than it is now, so it's harder for guys to get on the field. But Tremaine, uh, Tredavius White, boom, he gets plugged in. He's starting corner. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, same thing. And the next year he's plugged right in. Deion Dawkins plugged right in at left tackle. They they were able to get guys in the draft that were good enough, given where the the roster was at that time, just to plug in and leave them. It's harder to do that now. You, you, we saw that last year with Kair Elam, Christian Benford, Uh, And other guys who have gone through the rookie thing with, well, even Devin Singletary, uh, you know, guys who came in, played a little bit, you know, Dawson Knox, and now they've worked into it. It's this point has taken rookies longer. And we kind of chalk it up to culture, like they have to earn it for Sean McDermott. But a, a little bit of that is true. Some of it, a lot of it is true. But it's also true that. The roster is not the 2017 roster, it's 2016 different. roster. It's harder, much to,
2: harder to get a starting spot here on this roster. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we've got Greg Cosell coming up at 2 o'clock. We're going to chat a little Bills, chat a little NFL, chat a little Super Bowl. So stick with us here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: back.